Welcome to Mind Body Speech, where we talk everything mind body speech. I am taking over for Cindy today. My name's Megan, and I'm here with Wendy. We're going to talk about primitive reflexes today. Hi. (laughs) Uh, I'm Wendy Nelson of Sense Enabled. I'm a neurodevelopmental specialist. I work with reflex integration, the handle method of uh, sensory processing and vestibular work, and the safe sound protocol developed by Dr. Stephen Porges. And um, so you actually work a few days a month out of one of our offices. That's so we brought you in here and we're really happy to have you and happy to be here thank you we're happy to spread your knowledge and share your knowledge with our listeners and the public because it's very important and it's really interesting and (laughs) can be a very big benefit to people that take the time to learn about it and your services it's it's a really foundational piece if you look at it um, the reflex is kind of like the foundation of a house when they are retained which means they they stick around longer than they should and poorly integrated then um, everything else that you want to do with your body or study or behavior gets a little harder because the reflexes are getting in the way instead of working the way they were designed to work. So um, let's take a step back. And can you tell us how you got into this field? Ah, convoluted. So uh, when I started out many years ago, I thought I was going to be a dancer. That was what I went to college for. That was my career path up until I got pregnant. (laughs) And once my children came along, I kind of veered off into child development. So I have been a nanny. I have been a mother. I have been a Montessori teacher. I have a dear friend, we've been friends since high school, who's also my my mentor and my instructor. Her name is Dr. Janet Oliver of Plan for Learning in Minnesota. She has done this work for 30 years, did it to address issues that she had for herself and her family. And when I would have issues with some of the kids in my classroom or some of the kids that were in my care, she's the one I would call up and go, okay. (laughs) what am I looking at here? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm seeing this behavior and this behavior and this behavior. And it's it's not making sense. And she would come back with, do they do this? Do they do that? Do they? And be like, yeah, yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. And how do you know this? Because you're 3,000 miles away and you've never even laid eyes on this child. But she knew the patterns to look for. She mm-hmm. knew the different things that, that were or were not working together. She kept saying, you should get into this work. <laughs> And I kept saying, yeah, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. But about, I guess about 10 years ago, I was working as a nanny for a family with three kids and they all had atypical development. So one was ADHD with bipolar. Another one was high functioning autistic. The third one had had been born with a hole in his heart. A lot of issues with early development being interrupted. He had sensory processing issues and some ADHD. And so we started going to lots and lots of different therapist office. As we're sitting in all these different offices, I'm listening to different people. We're having conversations with all the moms, how everything's kind of trying to fit together. At one point, one of the twins therapist said, I've hit a wall. I, mm-hmm. I can't take this any farther. I don't know what to do. We've plateaued. I, I don't know what to do for them. 
my friend Janet was in town. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, would you come and and look at the guys, give us a program, and I'll make sure they do it. And three weeks later, the same therapist came back and said, what did you do? I said, what did you mean? She said, these are different kids. What are you doing? (laughs) I said, well, this is what we're doing. We're doing reflex work and handle work. And she said, this is what you need to be doing. I was at a point in my life where it was like I knew I was going to be transitioning. I was Mm -hmm. looking for options. And it was like, okay, (laughs) it is now time to pick up this work. Kind of my, my life path of the dance came in very fundamental and being able to take a look at a body and go, okay, this is what's the right posture. This isn't the right posture. This is the correct movement. This isn't the correct movement. The child development part from Mm -hmm. the Montessori work and my work with so many kids, I could look at this is uneven development. This is a nine-year-old, but they're three here and they're 12 here and they're nine here. With all of that, all of these pieces just kind of came together. And I did my training with the Handle Institute and got my Handle training. And then I did my reflex integration training with Janet. Mm -hmm. And then I hung out my shingle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's wonderful. That's how I got here. Your passion though, just when you're speaking about your profession, you can see how passionate and how much you are invested in how it makes you glow. (laughs) Thank you. I love working with kids. I think kids are magical. They make you take a look at the world in ways you never would have thought of. (laughs) That is the truth. (laughs) And and the wonderful thing about atypical kids is they have an atypical point of view. So they will say things and, and make connections that you're just like, huh. I never would have put those things together, but now that you mention it, (laughs) yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's never boring. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's true. Um, So can you tell us a little bit more about the handle method? Sure. The handle method was developed by Judith Bluestone. She was profoundly autistic as a child, always was, but really didn't speak until she was about 13 years old and did a lot of things as a child that her parents kind of let her do that helped her develop. And when she started her educational path, she was also quite brilliant. So she did a lot of studying, trying to make sense of why she did the things she did, how they benefited her, and then how she could turn that into different activities and therapies that would help other people. The handle method takes a look at vestibular system and how that underpins things like low muscle tone. Vestibular system is kind of our internal gyroscope in the balance mm-hmm. and, and in the ear, but it also affects things like muscle tone. Muscle tone then affects things like visual tracking, binocularity, that ability to look from near to far. Because when you have low muscle tone, those muscles that uh, direct the eyes are weak, mm-hmm. right? So you're, you can have 20-20 vision. These are some of the things that I would call Janet and go, why am I seeing this child feel stares even though her parents are telling me she's been shocked and has 20-20 vision? But she didn't have that near to far vision. Right. So this is where you get therapies like Alderwood vision therapy Mm -hmm. or, you know, different vision therapies to help strengthen these muscles because you may have 20 20 vision, but you can't make that adjustment from near to far or one eye goes and then the other eye follows. So you're not getting smooth tracking when you're reading. And the other place where that muscle tone plays in is audio processing. So when you're listening, the muscles of the ear will cut in and out. What it may sound like is you're missing like every third word or every fourth word. You may miss plosive sounds that have a breath of air that come with them, like a b or a p, and you may miss that sound. 
And if I'm a teacher giving instruction, what it might sound like is first we're going to start off with, and then the next step will be, and then we're going to continue with, and we'll finish up. And you've missed those words. You're trying to follow along the conversation. You're trying to fill in those blanks. And then you're trying to process what someone has just said to you. (laughs) Very overwhelming. Yep. So these are the kids, the adults that come back and say, what did you say? Can you repeat that? Right? Because they're not catching it all the first time. Mm -hmm. That's where low muscle tone will play in. The other thing with low muscle tone, and it's nothing to do with strength. It's about the muscle's ability to react when called upon. So what you might see from people who have low muscle tone is they always look like they've been kind of draped over something, right? They're kind of always supported. They've got their heads on their hands when they're at the table. They kind of look like they've been draped over a chair. They also will look to be almost like hyperactive because they keep moving at the speed of light. They run on momentum because it takes a lot of energy to stop and start, right? Mm-hmm. So if you keep going, you just keep going right up until you again. don't have any more energy. That would be low muscle tone. Proprioception is another thing that I learned from Handel. Mm-hmm. And that's where's my body in space. And when that's challenged, these are the people that need four blankets in the middle of July. And you're going, Why? Do we have to have four comforters? Or the kids that have a mountain of stuffies on the bed because they need that weight to be able to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Because when they lay down, they're not quite so sure where their body starts and the bed begins. They'll walk into a room and touch everything. They bump into things all the time, right? Mm-hmm. These are clumsy people because that spatial sense of where am I in the environment is not strong. And it plays into internal space as well. These are the kids that walk up and they're clutching their stomachs and you're going, where does it hurt? And they're going everywhere. Mm -hmm. And you're like, but you're clutching your stomach. It's like, but it hurts everywhere Mm -hmm. because they can't pinpoint where the pain's coming from. They don't get if it's the back, if it's the stomach, if it's the chest, they don't know. And it plays into the spatial abilities. So those higher, more abstract things that we want to get to, like making a sequence or putting together a priority. What is a priority? Make a sequence. Where do you you Mm -hmm. go? Where do you start? Being able to stay organized. Tell time. These are the people that it's not about what you can logically do in an amount of time. It's how it feels. So these are the kids that drive you crazy because you say, okay, I'm going to, we're getting ready to go and I'm going to come back in 10 minutes. I want you to have your backpack, your shoes on, brush your teeth. And you come back in 10 minutes and they still have furry teeth. They have no shoes on and the backpack's nowhere in sight. But they have started this really great Lego project and it's only going to take a minute, mm-hmm. right? And it's obviously going to take a couple hours because they're engaged in that. It's fast. But because they don't want to do something, it takes forever because it feels that way. These are the kids that will give you a three-hour fight about doing 10 minutes worth of homework and it doesn't even make sense. But for them, they don't know where to start. They think it's going to take forever. Ever, they're not interested. So I'm going to fight doing this because it feels like mm-hmm. forever. Those are some of those proprioceptive issues that, that come out of that. Trouble with math will come out of that. 
kinesthesia, right? Mm -hmm. Muscle memory. A lot of people, especially if they have proprioceptive issues, they will run on muscle memory rather than exactly where am I in space? It's like my muscles remember how to do this. So I don't have to think about it. Those are some of the concepts I learned from Handel. Okay. And the Handel philosophy underpin really my work because the things that come out of Handel are general enhancement. We work slowly. Um, we meet you where you're at and we go from there. There's not like, oh, you need to jump up to this level so that we can start working together. It's like, no, if you're, if all you can do is lay on a floor, then that's where we start. And mm -hmm. then we learn to sit. The other part of it is no judgment. Everybody's got challenges. All of us have some of these things. Yes. And uh, to a differing degree, and none of us outgrow them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so labels like autism and ADHD, from my point of view, give us a common vocabulary, but it is not defined who you are as a person. There's no judgment about what your challenges are. They're challenges, and we learn how to overcome them. The other thing that came out of my handle training is what they call neurological state changes, and that's something we can all use every day. Neurological state changes come out of the neurological system being challenged. And when that system's challenged, what you're going to notice is the ears will get bright red, the cheeks will get flushed, the tip of the nose will get flushed. For some people, they get a flush right up the neck or their hands and feet will get flushed. You'll get changes in breathing. So you'll get someone who holds their breath because it's hard or they'll or pant or mm -hmm. grunt right? When they're trying to do something. Yawning, sighing, right? Complaints of nausea, dizziness. I've got one little girl who says I make her brain buzz. <laughs> These are all signals that your neurological system is challenged. And it doesn't matter how simple the activity may look. It could be chasing peas around a plate and trying to get them on a spoon and get them to your mouth. Mm -hmm. But if you take a look and you see those ears are bright red and they're kind of gritting their teeth and they're kind of <sighs> trying to chase them, for whatever reason, that activity is hard. From my point of view and with my work, if you see that, then you stop and take a break. Okay. Um, so if I've told someone I want them to do three sets of something and they do one set and those little ears get bright red, then they stop. And you go back and you do it a little later because a neurological system isn't like a muscle system. We're all, <laughs> we've all been programmed by trainers, right? Four more, push through, go be great. You know, this is not that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the muscle system, you know, you break it down and it builds itself back up. But with the neurological system, what happens is you push it and it shuts down mm -hmm. and you're not going to get any more benefit out of it. So why push it? What will happen is there'll be no lasting damage if you push it, but you're not going to get any more benefit out of it. I had one young man who came in, he was 30, and I kept saying, okay, we're going to do three. I can do more. I can I'm strong. It's like, I know, I know, but please don't. And no, he's going to, he kept showing me how strong he was going to be. And by the end of the session, he had his glasses off and he was rubbing his eyes and his nose and I said, you know, are you going to be okay to drive? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I called to check on him the next day. Mm -hmm. And he had gone home and taken a three-hour nap and couldn't eat dinner. Oh, wow. Now, he was fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was like, that's why you don't do four more. <laughs> because, you know, you pushed yourself that hard, but you didn't get anything more out of it. So why make yourself dizzy, nauseous, sleepy, or cranky 
for no reason. The handle work is really woven into my, my reflex integration work, my work with the SSP, because those core philosophies work well with just all of it. Usually by the time I have done the reflex integration assessment and we're doing into that work, it also gives me a really pretty good idea of what kind of challenges that we're facing that I see from my handle perspective. Wonderful. It seems like you um, are very perceptive on what your patients and clients are going through, that you trained yourself to really look at the body systems and how they respond. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, part of it's just, it's that's, it goes back to all the different kind of threads of experience that I've had in my life that have kind of put it in a nice, neat package. So can you talk a little bit more about the primitive reflexes and reflex sure. integration now that we've <laughs> kind of touched? <laughs> I know I, I'm very fascinated by this topic, so I'm, I'm listening intently and just <laughs> expanding my knowledge. So reflex integration um, addresses primitive, some people call them primary, some people call them primitive um, reflexes. And it also works with oral and facial reflexes. And they are, you know, we all think we know what a reflex is, right? Because our, our hearts are beating, we're blinking, we're breathing, right? So that's a reflex. We learn that in science class or hygiene, uh, health class. And we have so many more reflexes than that. We have reflexes that get us down the birth canal. We mm -hmm. have reflexes that help us get our heads up, help us start to focus for vision, sucking, eating, speech, um, help us start to crawl, help us uh, get upright in gravity, help us walk catch ourselves when we fall, and we take all of these things for granted, mm -hmm. right? These are systems that are designed to work a certain way, and they should be what we call integrated by the time you are anywhere from six months to three years old. When they are retained or partially retained, that means they've stuck around, <laughs> so or they're not working the way they were designed to work. Birth reflexes are kind of the best, easiest example of that in that um, there are three birth reflexes that help us get down the birth canal. So you have the Babinski, which is in the feet, and the feet work like little flippers to get us down. And when you have a very fast labor, you have a C-section, mm -hmm. or sometimes it's just a matter of genetics, but when those reflexes aren't used or aren't fully used, then what happens is they are retained. So that means those feet are sensitive to touch to mm -hmm. because that reflex, because it didn't get used, it still stays in the foot. That stays in the arch of the foot. And what happens is you get the little toe walkers, right? The kids that are up on their, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, the little ballerinas, they're so cute. Yes, but they can't get their heels down when they want to because that arch is very sensitive because that reflex is still there. So you get the people who do the toe walking or they stomp to bypass the tickle because when you stomp really hard, then you don't get the tickle. These are the kids and the adults that um, shoes and socks have to be just right because that line on your sock going to drive you crazy or anything that sensory input is mm -hmm. going to affect that arch. You get people who walk on the outer edges of their feet because the arch is trying to come up and avoid the the, oh, okay. the floor, right? So you're walking on the outside of your feet. You're walking on the balls of your feet to bypass that tickle and that sensory 
just <laughs> overload. Mm -hmm. So when you work with a PT, you're going to go in and they're going to work on trying to get those heels down. And you're going to work on that. And when they're thinking about it and concentrated and focused, they'll get those heels down. As soon as you get happy, excited, scared, sad, you don't think about it, those heels are going to come right back up because that reflex is trying to protect the foot because it's too sensitive. Those are the kind of some of the ways that reflexes will manifest when they're retained. The spinal glant is in the back. That's another another birth reflex. And we kind of go side to side and wiggle back and, you know, left mm -hmm. to right, left to right. And when that's retained, then you've got a back that can be sensitive to textures, touch, just the pressure of your body sitting in a seat. So that can go from the top of the neck all the way to the top of the, the knees. Oh, wow. This is where it can kind of play into diagnoses of ADHD because you fidget. <laughs> you can't sit still mm -hmm. because the pressure of your body against a chair feels like prickles or tickling or like my mom used to say, do you have ants in your pants? Just sit still. It's like, well, no, <laughs> I can't, right? These are kids that will always wear long sleeves because even a feel of a breeze will no. will be too much. Textures become very important. West, waistbands will be too much. Certain textures will be too much. So what you do is you kind of run your knuckle down one side of the spine and the other, and what you look for is a curl to the left or a curl to the right, or even a breach like a little dolphin coming out of the water towards the front. And that means that back is has retained the spinal gallant and is extremely ticklish and sensitive to touch and texture. Now, do you do that in a seated position, standing or laying down? Usually seated because it, it can be, for some people who have a very strong reaction, it, it can knock them off balance. I had one little girl that when I checked, I didn't, it was the first time it had happened and she breached forward and almost fell off the table. I had to grab her because I had seen <laughs> left and right. I hadn't seen forward. That's, that's how some of those reflexes will play out. There's also the Perez, again, another birth reflex, and that is in control of our core having access to our abdominal muscles for balance. It also interferes with things like bowel control, right? So constipation um, is something you'll see. Continence issues. These are the kids that are bedwetting or still not potty trained at the age of four or five. These are the kids that, you know, you say, do you have to go to the bathroom? No. Do you have to go to the bathroom? No. Got to go to the bathroom? Yeah. Now. Right now. Okay. Because the signals aren't getting to the brain, right, until it's absolutely last minute. Um, you get slow digestion. So you will have tummy aches. You will have bloating or gas, slow gut. And so all of that comes out of that, that Perez, which is gets us down like a little snake. That's one that also plays into a lot of different issues for people, especially for kids who have autism who have slow digestive systems or, or wonky digestive systems to begin with. Quite often when we do the Perez work, a lot of what they've been struggling with for a while resolves. All of these things kind of have a body component. They also have an emotional components. They also play into our self-esteem, mm -hmm. right? The reflexes are really 
systems that are designed to work a certain way. And when they don't, we get compensation behaviors. We may end up doing two or three things so that we're able to do the one thing we should be able to do without thinking. And that's kind of reflexes. <laughs> no, it's absolutely fascinating. You don't realize how many things happen to make you function as a human. Right. Sucking is one that's a, it's a good example of how things are kind of interconnected. When we suck, we get a lot of input in our vestibular systems because it's in the ears when you're sucking, right? So that helps with developing our vestibular system. Our vestibular system also, you know, helps with balance. But that suck is also connecting us to the Perez and that core connection. So if you kind of breathe in through the mouth, you'll feel the whole front of the body kind of tighten up a little bit, right? And so when we suck, we're also getting that core connection to balance so that it will help us stand. And it's also connecting into our vestibular system. You know, sucking, you think, well, we all suck, right? As babies, Mm -hmm. we're getting nourishment. It's helping develop our palate. It's helping develop our tongue. Um, So we're getting oral proprioception about where are the pieces of our mouth and getting that vestibular input, which is connecting to our core so that we can stand up and walk and balance. But for kids who have eating issues, for children especially who, um, for whatever reason, um, can't suck, whether they've Mm -hmm. got Uh, problems with latching, tongue tie, or they've been on feeding tubes, right? Or help to eat. Those are things that they don't get in that developmental piece because they don't suck. They're getting tube fed. Then, Then they have problems with balance and they have problems with their vestibular system, which leads to problems with their proprioception. Where am I in space? They can also lead to problems with that low muscle tone then, right? Mm -hmm. So now I have problems with my eyes. So maybe problems with audio processing, all because you suck or you don't suck. (laughs) So it's amazing how it's all connected. It's it some of the the work I do is kind of like being a detective, right? You have to go back and take a look at all the pieces and kind of figure out what's affecting what. And then where do we start to work and and how do we reel things back? So I'll just kind of build on what you said there, yeah. kind of. So what are your assessments like? So what, you know, it's, you 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 obviously are a detective from how you're presenting yourself. So if, yeah. if somebody were to come and visit you and get your services, how, just at least a general, how does that yeah, look? How does that look? How does that work? Right. Quite often I do a phone consult with people before I even meet them. I learn about what their concerns are. I educate them about what it is my methods are. And then we see if it's a good fit. If they decide they want to take the next step, then they come into the office for an in-person assessment. The assessments usually last anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours, depending on anybody's ability to stay focused or not be overwhelmed. For some people with fragile systems, two hours is too much. So we may break it up into three, three sections. But when you come in, we go over your client history form, which is about (laughs) 10 pages. It's long, but it gives me a good snapshot of what's going on for people. Quite often I have parents going, you know, I I didn't think that was a thing until I filled out that form. And Mm -hmm. that's a thing. And these things all go together. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's a thing. But we go over that form together. And then I start doing a reflex assessment. So that's where I start is with the reflexes. And so I start checking for the reflexes. I tell them what I'm looking for, what I'm seeing, what that means. And then we do activities. The activities are all rhythmic movement 
based activities that are designed to get the body and the brain working together more efficiently. A lot of times they look like children's games, yoga, Mm -hmm. but they have a purpose. And actually some of the old children's games that we all used to do historically, they did some reflex work that we, I don't think we're actually aware of. I do activities that we do in the office, and then I teach them activities that they take home for a home program. Every home program is designed specifically for that individual's needs, and they usually take about 15 to 20 minutes, done three, uh, maybe four times a week. And because of those neurological state changes we Mm -hmm. talked about, they're not done in one piece like a Pilates routine. You Mm -hmm. start here and finish there in 15 minutes. They're sprinkled throughout the day. Okay. And we talk about how to work them into your daily routine. And like I said before, if I say I want you to do three sets of something and you do one set and those ears flare and that breathing changes, then you stop and you can go back and pick it up five, 10 minutes later. Mm -hmm. You can go back and pick it up tomorrow, but you stop and you don't do anything more. People come back in a month for a follow-up. Okay. And I usually see my clients once a month. I had worked with some families on a weekly basis because (laughs) mom literally said, I'm not going to have this battle every week. I'd rather pay you to come in (laughs) and and come in to see you and have you do it. But then I've had other parents and families who like to come in bi-monthly because Mm -hmm. they want to make faster progress. But most people I see once a month. Okay. In the office. Yeah. It's wonderful. Because you're so integrated, kind of looking at all the body systems, do you have different disciplines you work with pretty closely? Well, I start with the reflexes. Mm -hmm. Once we start that work, I usually have a pretty good sense of, from the handle point of view, what systems are going to be impacted or are impacted. Once we get some of the reflexes starting to come online, then I will start working in the vestibular and the sensory processing work. For some people, if they are very anxious or kind of adverse to new things, transition trauma, you know, the kids that you you can't get them to go from point A to point B without a big struggle, which is what I call transition trauma, then I will suggest doing the SSP. The safe sound protocol was developed by Dr. Stephen Porges and is a listening therapy. And it was designed to address autism, ADHD, sensory processing issues. It's also been really helpful for those that have trauma and anxiety. And it is music that has been specifically filtered to address the vagal nerve. It's based on his polyvagal theory. And the vagal nerve is the longest in the body. So if you think like the Nile or the Amazon, it's got this long tributary with all these little pieces coming out, right? When you listen to the filtered music, then it pulls on the muscles of the ear because you have to listen harder because the music goes up and down in volume. When that's happening, it pulls on that nerve and improves the tone. So what happens is that the responses in the body start to change. They call it the ventral state is where you want to be, nice and relaxed, easy breathing, happy. The dorsal state is where you're always kind of in that state of fight, flight, or freeze, that response Mm -hmm. of survival response. Now, from my point of view, with reflex work, to me, that's the moral reflex. But it's the same thing, fight, flight, or freeze. When you do the listening program, what happens is that improved tone helps get you out of the the fight, flight, or freeze response. And for some people, that's where they live Mm -hmm. and gets you into a more relaxed, calmer, 
just healthier state. And at that point, you have the ability to change, becomes easier, being a little more open-minded, transitions aren't as hard, anxiety goes down. When we have a trauma, and that can be whatever we or our bodies decide is trauma, it doesn't have to be a car accident or a life-changing event. For a lot of the people I work with whose bodies aren't comfortable places to live in, just getting through a day can be bodily trauma. Going to the grocery store can be traumatic. So when we have those, we can get an obsessive train of thought. And we literally will wear a groove in our brain when we do that. So say I had a car accident seven years ago, and now every time I see a white car, my heart starts to speed up and my breathing changes and I get a pit in in my stomach. And it's just like I was in that car accident this moment, even though that was seven years ago. So when you do something like the SSP, what happens is that bodily response doesn't happen because now I've got a calmer response. So my breathing doesn't change. My heart isn't speeding up. I'm not getting that knot in the pit of my stomach. And then it's easier to change how I think because the body isn't reinforcing the thought pattern. What I do with the SSP is I pair that with my reflex work, with the moral reflex. Mm -hmm. The moral reflex is that, again, fight, flight, or freeze. The fire alarm goes off at school. Mm -hmm. And for these, these are the kids, fire alarm goes off at school, they're out the door. Before anybody else even registers that I should be doing something, they're running because it's a bodily response to a trigger in the environment. And usually for the morrow, it is, you know, sudden loud noises. These are the kids that won't flush the toilet. They, like they the won't use the hand dryers. They won't go into a public bathroom because it's too loud. It's scary. So that's a bodily driven response. And you don't have any control over it. So the fire alarm goes off. Your body says, I got this. I'm going to keep you safe. You're going to run. You're going to run fast and far. And these are the kids that are out the front door of the school before anybody even realizes that responded. And it can take them anywhere from five minutes to half a day to re-regulate emotionally after that happens. When we do the moral work and maybe reinforced with the SSP, what happens is that response is no longer bodily driven. So we get that muscle response. And then once that's in the body in the lower brain, then the upper brain gets to make a choice. So now when that the alarm goes off, you have a choice to sit there. You've got a choice. And you can say, oh, I can ignore it. I can go get in line. I can wait for the teacher to tell me what to do. But it's no longer the body propelling you out the door. I had one 13-year-old young lady that I was working with. And she was very fair. And when she would get triggered, she would get this big, I mean, she was like this big blue eyes, white blonde hair, very fair. But when she was triggered, she would turn beet red and breathing would change and her eyes would get really big. And her friends and family thought it was funny to trigger her because mm. they had this big reaction. And she said, I know it's not that scary. I know in my head it's not scary. I know it's not a big deal, but I can't stop. Mm -hmm. And so once we did the work, she no longer had that big response and she could have more control over how she responded. That's um, huge. If having control over your own body, that's yeah. what we all want. Right. It's like for a lot of my clients, adults and kids, the best analogy I've come up with, and if anybody thinks of a better one, I'd love to hear it. It's like having a Maserati 
and you're in this Maserati and you want to stop. And the Maserati's like, uh-uh, we're going to speed up and go to the left. And you're like, whoa, no, 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 no. But you don't have control over this. For kids, adults who have a lot of sensory issues, reflex issues, the world is an overwhelming place. Things are too loud. They are too bright. Too many smells. Maybe I've got the moro going on, so I don't know how my body's going to react. I've got Babinski, so that line in my socks is driving me crazy. A tag at the back of my shirt has been. I've been trying to be good all day in school, and you take me into the grocery store because it's only going to take a few minutes. I have been holding myself together all day against loud noises in the cafeteria, weird smells, kids screaming, clothes are uncomfortable. I've been trying to study. I've been trying to do things when I... And you take me into the grocery store with music and loud echoing noises and clattering carts and people talking. And there's the weird smells from the produce department and the lady two, two aisles over with too much perfume and the bright lights and they're flickering because you can see the fluorescent flicker and you're still uncomfortable and you lose it because yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just one bridge too far. When you have this interplay of things, a lot of people the world is, it feels like an assault. This is where the SSP can help with that. This is where the reflex work can take the sensitivities in the body to a point where they're either no longer there or they're manageable. And that's what I love about my work is because I have seen small changes make a huge difference for people because life gets more comfortable. Your body gets more comfortable and everybody should be a comfortable place to live in. Wonderful. Did that's, that more than answer no, your did. question? <laughs> you did. <laughs> I think um, you're very knowledgeable and you know your profession, you know what you're doing and you can, I'm fascinated. <laughs> Thank you. Kind of maybe wrapping that up, what would... Sure. Um, what would you recommend people or parents to look for before reaching out to you? Or what do they need to look for in order to reach out to you? Okay. Multi-level question here. If you've got sensory issues or bodily issues that are interfering with your ability to function, then that would be a good time to, to reach out. If you've got a PT or an OT that you've been working with, speech therapist, eating therapist, vision therapist you've been working with, and you're plateauing and nobody seems to know quite why, that might be a time to reach out because this work is fundamental. Mm -hmm. So when your foundation, it's like the house, right? When reflexes and vestibular work are kind of like the foundations of a house. When they're not solid, everything else above it is a little canted to the side or harder. So when we do this work, once you go back to the PT, going back to the Babinski, that reflex is no longer there. Now you can get those feet down and PT becomes more effective and more successful mm -hmm. because instead of fighting that reflex all the time, now they can work on, on getting those feet down and they can stay down. You work on these things. It just, it dovetails very well with other therapies because once the brain and the body know what you're asking it to do, then you can be more successful where speech 
and proprioception kind of interact. When you're challenged with proprioception, your face feels like one big piece, right? It doesn't have parts. Your body may not feel like it has parts. Your hands may not have parts. You've got a team, Mm -hmm. mitten hands, but you don't have individuals. If as a speech therapist, I say, I want you to put your tongue behind your teeth to make this sound, but you don't know quite where your tongue is or where your teeth are unless you're looking in a mirror. You can replicate what somebody shows you. But if you can't find that without looking, then it's going to be really hard to do what someone's asking you to do. When we do mouth mapping and we do body mapping and we get that proprioceptive piece on board, well, then I know where my tongue is and Mm -hmm. I know where my teeth are and I can make that sound. And now I can have success at what I'm doing. I would say for parents and therapists who you've got people that are struggling and you've gone to the PT, OT, doctor, pediatrician, whoever, and they're like, I I, I don't know. You Mm -hmm. know, there's definitely something that's not quite right here, but we're not quite sure. That's where a lot of my people come from is they've tried all the other avenues and nothing seems to quite work. So I tend to be the end of the line for some people, but my therapies dovetail well with other therapies and help them make more sense. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you for having me. And if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, what would be the best way? Uh, The best way would be to find my website, senseenabled.com. They can reach me by senseenabled at gmail.com. And I'm happy to set up a consult, talk with people, see if we're a good fit. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. So thank you for listening to Mind Body Speech, where we talk everything mind body speech. That was Wendy Nelson from Sense Enabled. Tune in next time for more episodes like this. Mm-hmm.